with me this morning um, out of respect for the Word of God. The Gospel of Matthew chapter 6. I'll be reading from a very familiar portion. Uh, many identify as the Lord's Prayer, but there's something specifically I want to pull from that uh, for this morning. Matthew 6, verse 9. If you turn me down just a touch, Josh, if you will. After this manner, therefore pray ye. This is Jesus when the disciples asked him to teach us to pray. Our Father, which art in heaven... And let me just say this, even though it's a side note from the message. When the disciples watching Jesus go out into the mountains to pray and watching his prayer life and the simplicity of it and the power of it, they said, teach us to pray. He said, always relationship. Our Father. Always relationship. The union we have. Our Father. Who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. And here's the verse. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom. Thy kingdom, an invisible, heavenly, eternal rule. Let it come to the earth. The earth globally. The earth geographically. The earth made from dust personally. Your kingdom come. Remain standing for just a moment. Jesus described the kingdom in terms that one can't point to and identify specifically. But in every, every story, the kingdom was a, the essential piece. The kingdom of God, it's already mixed in and present. And the teachings on the kingdom of heaven are not primarily about heaven as a place, but the rule of heaven, the way God operates, the sovereign rule of God. And even though he is not ruling in our mind fully, it was inaugurated when Christ came to the earth and he said, the kingdom is nigh to you. It's nigh. It's, it's here. It's visible. And it will be consummated at his second coming. The kingdom is like a tiny mustard seed that sprouts into a giant bush. And after it's grown, the birds nest in the branches. It's not coming in ways that you observe, Jesus says. No one will say, look, there's the kingdom. Or it's over there. The kingdom of God is already among you and in some of us in you. Even though the fullness of the kingdom is not yet real realized, it's already begun. And we're a vital part of that realization. It's everywhere and it's now. The kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, is everywhere that God reigns supreme and Christ is king. Remember this phrase. God's people in God's place under God's authority for God's glory. I want to speak to you about a very broad subject that would, could take weeks and weeks and we're going to try to fit it into 30 minutes. But I want to talk to you about the kingdom of God so that you will have an awareness that Christianity is not adding God to your kingdom. It's about you being added and allowed access into his. Father, I just humble myself before you. You know me, an unprofitable servant at best. And that's the truth. But you've called me and equipped me with your spirit, and I pray that you would anoint me this morning, Lord, that I might fulfill 
that responsibility and that people might see wondrous things out of your book. May they say, see you more clearly, see themselves more clearly, their responsibilities and their opportunities. And may our lives yield a greater increase, Lord, than ever before. The entrance of your word gives light and life. And let that happen today, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You may be seated this morning. We all know that before there was anything, there was God. He has no beginning. And in essence, in reality, he rules everywhere. But it looks like in our world, he's not ruling. And see, that's where we get confused. There can be a kingdom set up where God allows for his purposes, rebellion, uh, other groups. Jesus even told Pilate, he said, you wouldn't have any authority if it weren't given to you of God. And you need to understand that God doesn't have to have his foot on the throat of every enemy to still be ruling and reigning. This kingdom is a divine kingdom. And by that I mean eternal, holy, pure. It is a sovereign, governed kingdom. I told you it was inaugurated at his first coming, consummated at his second coming. When Jesus came, the phrase, he goes, the kingdom of God is coming to you. If I'm casting devils out by the spirit of God, the kingdom of God is coming unto you. I'm introducing to you not just the God of the Old Testament, but pockets, portions of what his rule looks like in the earth. Soon to culminate in the millennial kingdom. And just throw this out there for free. I believe that we're in the terminal generation before the return of Jesus Christ. Isn't it funny that we're calling this generation, the one we just finished, the, millennial, the millennials, and Christ's coming will usher in the millennial kingdom where he will rule with a rod of iron. And all that brings offense and all things that are ungodly and unholy will be pushed out and, and governed over. But when Jesus came, he said, the kingdom of God is coming to you. The kingdom of God is coming to you. He told us what it's like. He said, it's like a man who finds a pearl and sells all that he has to buy the field. Uh, and he started giving all these examples about the mustard seed growing up. It's tiny and it's like leaven hidden in, in the meal. And it was just like drinking out of a fire hydrant. You know, just <laughs> the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom. Yet disciples are being fed to the lions. People are being sawn a half cut in half. And, you know, they see Rome's power being exercised over the nation of Israel. God's chosen people were, are, and shall be. Don't ever get confused about that. The national people, and they said, Lord, are you going to restore unto us the kingdom? And he said, it's not for you to know the times and the seasons. When I, by, by restore, they're talking about making Israel a praise in the earth, a free people, which God has placed his name there. And it will always be there. And when he comes back, he will set a heavenly city down in Jerusalem. He's going to rule and reign from there. He says, it's not for you to know the times and the seasons. But you're going to receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you're going to be witnesses in Judea and Jerusalem in the uttermost parts of the earth. You're, t you're, you're concerned about when the kingdom of God is going to be visible governmentally. But Jesus said the kingdom of God is near you. It's now you. It's right here. And it shall be in you. Anywhere that God rules, 
and reigns. And the expression of that is the kingdom of God. So instead of trying to fit it into all of the um, end time things today, which is very important, I want you to think about your life, your address, 95 Vintage Way, where you work. You could say categorically correctly that the kingdom of God has come nigh to you people. Because Christ sits on the throne of my life and he rules. He super rules and all power and authority is his. His kingdom, which originated in eternity past, long before there was an earth, is an ever-expanding kingdom. It's not just established, but it's ever-expanding. And of his kingdom, they were speaking of Jesus, the Christ child, there should be what? No end. Ever-expanding. It's kind of a hidden kingdom, though. In the same way God's absolute victory is presently veiled. You ever just think that God just flex and show them who's boss, you know, Send fire out of heaven. You know, Jesus said, you don't know what spirit you're of. But God, if you're enthroned and you part the sea and you send fire from heaven, Lord, flex. He said, I am through you. We like grandiose and fireworks and the stage exploding and smoke bombs and all of this. The kingdom. But when they see you transplanted, from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear son. Once a darkened heart, now people of light. Once self-centered, now God-centered. The kingdom message is presented to others. Me being under the authority of someone invisible proves their existence. Did you catch that? Me living out subjectivity. Being subject to God, who is invisible, brings credibility to his existence. But it seems hidden to us in the same way it's hidden in the weakness of neighborly love. In the foolishness of mercy. The kingdom is hidden in the vulnerability of compassion. It's hidden in the joy of generosity. In the beauty of forgiveness. And in the satisfaction of having confidence in the reality of God and the coming of his kingdom in its fullness. It is an irresistible, unconquerable kingdom. It is glorious and eternal, soon to be millennial. Only accessible by God's invitation. You can't just be a part of it. You can't come to Christ unless the Father draws you. It has to be through an invitation. The invitation's given in the word, but the, the spirit woos us. And whosoever will, let him drink of the water of life freely. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. We can't just approach him out of, out of need. It has to be in faith and who he is and what he's done for us. It's only accessible through God's door. Jesus said, I'm the way. I'm the door and any other person that they enter in by is a hireling. It's a, it's a false door. You can't just come to God through any church or any religion. There is one name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. The kingdom, you have to be invited. You can't just show up at people's house. Hey, we're here at seven o'clock. What's for supper? You weren't invited to the wood kingdom. We, we don't have enough going on for you right now. We got just enough for daddy to eat and, and, and mama. 
It's only accessible by the grace of the king. The kingdom is only accessible by the grace of the king and the faith of the outsider. It is made possible by new birth and verified by new life. Jesus said in John 3, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Which means you must be born of water. The, the water, the sack from your mom, you're born from there. And of the spirit. You cannot see the kingdom through intellectual eyes. You might see an act of generosity, but you can't see the kingdom. A man has to be born again, recreated. I am not saved by my coming to a church, attending a church, or nodding in agreement at what the person says. Something must happen supernaturally that I cannot do for myself. I must be recreated by God's Spirit so that I can see the kingdom of God. I see it in little children. And you can get mad, you can fall out, you can leave. There are plenty of churches. Listen, I, I, I don't care what side you pick or, or what political stance you have. Trust me, I couldn't care less. But there's no way a Christian whose eyes are open can vote for the murder of 40, 60 million babies. You, 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 you can't. You, you can't. You, you can't. We can't support racism. You, you can't. You can't it's, it's hard. Before long, we can't vote for nobody. You understand that? But you, 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 you can't. When your eyes are open, you, you can't harm a child. You can't, you, you can't live carnally. You can't just be shacked up. You can't go to your girlfriend who's marrying another girl and go to their wedding and go, well, praise the Lord. You can't because you see what others don't see. You know what others don't know. You hear what other people don't hear. That's why you do what other people don't do. I've been born again. I'm part of the kingdom, and that's not how God rules. Some of y'all didn't have the opportunity to grow up in a house where there was a king and a queen. These kids talk back. I watch them in Kroger sassing their mama like, ooh. I was hit so hard one time for talking back, I woke up and my pants were out of style. I had to, I had to change, change britches. I can tell who's part of the kingdom by how they live, like it or don't like it. Not what they say they believe. I see what you don't see. Remember that donkey uh, that was, uh, saw the angel with the, the fiery sword? Who, who, who was riding the donkey? Who was it? Balaam. Balaam's donkey. So Balaam got to see. And there's this angel I just hope there's a video store in heaven. There's just some of these that just, just a flaming sword. And an angel could kill a couple hundred thousand men in an hour or two, just, just however long it takes to kill them, you know. Just. And the donkey goes, mm-mm. And he goes, what's wrong with you, you stupid mule? He kicks him. He goes, mm-mm, catfish, I ain't moving. I mean, he's pulling. And then he turned. The Lord let him speak. He says, what is your problem? Haven't I been a good donkey to you? <laughs> What? All these years I've served you faithfully. Don't you think if I could go, I would go? Do you not? Okay. Now listen, I said that because, you know, humor gets y'all laugh, and then I just slide in with the... 
with the the job. How is it that if I'm nothing but a donkey, how is it that I can see what you who profess Jesus can't see? How, How can I see? How can I see the delineation between Christ's profession and Christ's possession? Because I've been born again. I'm in this kingdom. I have a familiarity. When you, when you go, anybody went to a third world country before? And you culture shock, you go, what, what meaneth this? That's just the way. That, I remember when I went to Nairobi, Kenya, and then to Eldama Ravine, Kenya, I was amazed at travel. They have a, a bus, like a little Volkswagen. Oh, shoot, I don't know how old it'd be in the 70s. And there'd be 35 people in that thing. I'm not kidding, hanging on the top, hanging out the window, you know, and squishing people. And, and there's, there's no lines in the street. No, ain't no lines. 50 and 60 miles an hour. And when you, th- you think I'm kidding, potholes as big as that subwoofer. I was like, Jesus, take the wheel. I thought, I didn't know if we're going to get home, not get home. And just, it's, it's otherworldly. And when I talked to him, I said, y'all, y'all don't have lines in the road. But what? Lines. It's to- totally different. Driving down and I go, there's a lion. <laughs> it's like I was from a different Okay. You are. Your citizenship is in heaven. From whence also you look for the Lord Jesus Christ, who will change your vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. Why do you keep apologizing for sight and or acting as if you were blind to get along with people? That angel with the sword is standing there for a reason. And I'll I'll get to that in just a moment. You must be born again. You must be born again. Well, I believe that Jesus is the son of God. So does the devil. You must be born again. You must be born again. Why do you always preach that you must be born again? Because you must be born again. And you can't do it. Your soul hears a message when the preacher preaches that you're lost and undone and you're without Christ in this present world, without hope, you're dead in your trespasses and sin and you're judged already and the judge is at the door and your soul says, then what can I do? Nothing. So your soul cries out to God for mercy for our failures and our sins and then God in his mercy by that act of faith towards him, he does for us what we could not do for ourselves and he recreates us and brings us into his kingdom. What part did you play in your first birth? Your mom, your daddy winked at your mom and she was like, please, please. (laughs) What part did you play? Well, none really. Salvation is not by the will of man. It's the will of God. You must be born again. Well, what if I'm not born again? Then call out to the Lord and ask for him to save you and redeem you and forgive you. It's a divine kingdom. It's not an earthly kingdom. It will express itself in the earth. But it existed before the earth. So how could it be an earthly kingdom? You see, it's a divine kingdom. Very quickly. Number two. There's only three, by the way. It's a powerful kingdom. For the kingdom of God is not in word, 1 Corinthians 4 says, but in power. Powerful everywhere it is expressed and perceived. 
powerful in those who reside in it. Powerful to the residents, residents, us, the subjects of the kingdom. The power is to be seen in us. Not in what we say, but in how we're rewired, changed, mellowed. We become selfless. We start to, on the limbs of our life, without effort, grow fruit like love and joy and peace and patience and gentleness and kindness and meekness and self-control. Religion says, do these things. Sanity says, well, if I could have done them, I'd have done them a while ago. You ever tried to be patient? I'm going to be more patient if it kills me. If it, ki- if it kills me up in here, I'm going to be more patient. Well, the problem is it does. And you, like a, Can you imagine an apple tree out in the field? I'm going to grow me some apples today. <laughs> How's it looking on the limbs? Nothing happening. Or an apple tree trying to grow pears. But if I'm connected to Christ and I'm in the kingdom... Those things happen in my life automatically. I mentioned racism a minute ago, but let me talk to you about your prejudices, all kinds of prejudices. When your eyes start to open, you go, oh, I despise one man and I prefer women or I prefer the wealthy to the poor. Or once you see those things and the sap of Christ flows through you and that sap has a theme, a DNA of God is no respecter of persons. So if I, being part of this kingdom, and I see what God sees, and I think what God thinks, I ought to be acting like God would act in the world. Is this okay today, just a practical message? Okay, okay. It's powerful. The kingdom of God is powerful in us. Transforming us, nurturing us, empowering us, equipping us, utilizing us, maturing us, promoting us, healing us, restoring us, satisfying and preserving us. Powerful. Your Christianity, your faith should never be anemic. You are supposed to be being changed from glory to glory, from glory to glory. We are so Focused on external gifts so that we can get the applause of men. Celebrities, Christian celebrities. Got a business card and a flyer and I'm a miracle, a miracle evangelist. And all of these things. The kingdom of God is quieter than that. And when they tried to make Jesus king in the earth, he would pull away from me. He said, not yet. When I come back. I'm coming back the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, but not yet. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to hide the leaven. I'm going to hide like leaven hid in bread that makes it rise. I'm going to hide an ingredient in the earth. I'm going to hide the church and you're going to see my power as I change men and women. I change them before your very eyes. I'm going to give evidence to the King in the earth. In your earth, thy kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Powerful in the future and unchangeable in its standards. Let me tell you where the power is. Excuse me, Pastor Al preached a couple weeks ago. I was, but I'm not. Let me read this verse to you. 1 Corinthians 6. Don't you know that the unrighteous shall not 
inherit the kingdom of God. Shall not. You know, what part of shall not don't we understand as the church? Well, what the Lord really meant, shall not, is what he meant. The unrighteous, those, now it doesn't say those who have ever sinned. It's those that practice sin. They, 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 they um, live unrighteously, but profess themselves to be righteous. They carry the truth in unrighteousness. Don't you know that these will not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor the effeminate, which is homosexuality, abusers in themselves with mankind, thieves, covetous, drunkards, revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. None of them, none of them shall. Well, I, I know Jesus and I are good because I have quiet time with him. You shall not inherit the kingdom of God. It is not the specific sin that disqualifies you. It's the evidence that you're not in the kingdom. The sin is the evidence. The rebellion, the willingness to rewrite God's scripture, the, the rebellion and the saying that God is for this perversion that's taking place. We don't even know what gender, we don't even know which bathroom to use anymore, you know? Do you realize, I can just rewrite God's plan, his will, his ways. And those individual things are not the disqualifier. They're the evidence that they don't reside in the kingdom. Because if you reside in the kingdom, you'd see. You'd see. I'm grateful for my eyes. And I want to say something. I don't know who it's for this morning. It's not in my notes. Maybe there's someone here that God just keeps convicting you and convicting you and won't let you go. Don't you ever ask him to let you, to, to ask him to let the Holy Spirit let you go. Don't you ever, Lord, don't ever take your Holy Spirit from me. The conviction of your spirit. I don't want my senses dulled by my foolishness and the opinions of the multitudes. We are not people of the crowd. We are people of the Christ. People of the Christ. And such were some of you, but you're washed. You're sanctified. You're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. That change, that change, even when my flesh wants it, I have the clarity, the unction, and the desire to do without it. I, I wish they had told me this when I first got saved. I thought when you got saved, when he said, I make all things new, that now you're just, you, your flesh is gone. There's just no, you know, I learned quickly, you know, all these Christians would testify and got the victory over everything. And I'm like, something must be wrong with me because I'm still feeling stuff. I'm still longing for stuff. I'd walk in a restaurant and I hear, I go, that was a gooseneck. I, I knew my flesh would go, wouldn't you like one? You know, well, if you're a Christian, you shouldn't feel that. No, no, no. When I came into the kingdom of God, I did not lose my earthly experiences. I did not lose the earthly temptations. But I had the power and the clarity. I wasn't delivered from the pull of sin. I was delivered from the power of sin. And I can say, no, thank you. I've told you this before, but I remember like yesterday, the first time I had iced tea with oysters, I just started laughing out loud. 
I just, I'd always drank cold beer forever just with oysters. And the first time I did my little oyster and put stuff on it, I ate it and drank tea. <laughs> and the lady goes, what? I said, that's just not supposed to taste like that. That's just different. That's di-. Wasn't as good. <laughs> oh, Pastor John, you're glorifying sin. No, I'm not. It's been since 1986 since I've had a cold beer. Pastor John, do you ever want one? Yep. Yep. But I used to live in that kingdom. And although I can see it and smell it and desire it, I know that all that's in that kingdom is perishing. And all that's in this kingdom is eternal. So to follow after him, I deny myself. How could you deny something you don't want? It's like some of y'all skinny people. I'm just going to talk about you just a minute. Just, I, just, I just don't even want that donut. Well, you don't understand the struggle. If you don't want it, and then you say, I just gave it up for the Lord. You didn't even want it. Give up a bucket of chicken, you know, I'm, I'm doing something for the Lord here. So stop cursing your wooings, your wantings, and understand that you have a perfect opportunity to bring glory to the kingdom. Because although I want, I'm choosing to live over here with and for God. And finally, I'm going to veer off just a little bit. It's a a personal kingdom. It's an imparted kingdom, a personal kingdom. Luke 17 says uh, that the kingdom of God is within you. Colossians 1, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Romans 14, 17, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Write that down, Romans 14, 17. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Which means the kingdom of God is not something that you put inside of you. It's something that God puts inside of you. You you can't do it. And three indicators. He could have said, he could have listed any of the fruit of the Spirit. He said, no, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And very quickly, I want to go over these for you. These are the the evidences that you should guard and guard your heart because out of it are the issues of life. Make sure that you have Christ righteousness, that you're in right standing with God. Make sure that you have peace with God and the peace of God. Peace with God and the peace of God. So righteousness. God and I are good because I do not stand in my own righteousness. I bring nothing to the table. Nothing. Zero. I am accepted by God because I stand naked with nothing to offer and Christ's righteousness has been imparted to me. So God and I are square. There's righteousness. Peace. Peace with God. Having now peace with God. uh, Being reconciled to God through the death of his son. Peace through the cross. I have peace with God. He and I are good. And I have the peace of God ruling in my heart and joy in the Holy Ghost. Righteousness means innocent, holy, justified, in right standing with God. In 2 Corinthians 5, it says, God hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be the righteousness of God in him. 
For he made Jesus to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be the righteousness of God in him. There's probably two or three verses in the Bible that are very hard to grasp, much less preach. But this righteousness that we stand in today, according to that, is as righteous as God is. No. I live with me. I've lived with me a long time. How, how can you say that I'm as innocent, pure as you? Because I've imputed who I am to you, John. Son. Kingdom son. That would, girls, that'd make you a princess. That'd make us princes and kings and priests unto God. John, you're my son. This righteousness doesn't fluctuate. My enjoyment of it and my access to it fluctuates with my, my choices and rebellion. And I can't walk in the, the delight of the Lord if I regard iniquity in my heart. But make sure when you're standing before the Lord, here's a good, here's a good barometer for you. Make sure you don't pray better because you had a good day. I got access to you today, Father, for one reason. Jesus Christ, through his torn body, opened up a new and living way, which he consecrated through the veil. That is to say his flesh. And now we have boldness to enter in by this torn body of Jesus. And God leans in and says, what can I do for you? I got access. Peace means at rest, secure. Therefore, being justified by faith, Romans 5, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace where we stand and we now rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Brooke, if you would come, please. Just you, that'll be fine for a day. Peace with God. I don't know if I talk about that enough. I'm good. I'm good with him. Jesus is good. We're good. There's a impartation, uh, not a false peace that the devil gives. And you know you have false peace when you're always trying to convince somebody of your peace. But peace with God through the death of his son. Lord, if it satisfied you, I'm satisfied. And how is it that some of us can have peace with God and not have the peace of God. Because you, you start living over here again. And you see this world more clearly than you see the next one. You see the world's evil more clearly than you see God's righteousness. I have peace because I know whose I am and who I am. Where are the papas today? Why don't you just raise your hand at me? Just, I, want, I want to ask you point blank. If your baby come up to you, imagine your little boy or little girl, five, six years old, and they're crying in the room, sniffling. What's wrong, buddy? And just afraid that we're not going to have food in our house. And you get on their level and you go, 
what? It's just, you're not going to take care of us, Daddy. You're not, you're not going to take care of us. You go, if I'm breathing, if I'm breathing, I will give my lifeblood for you. you. You ain't gonna do without nothing. And I, 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 I said, don't, don't you ever live without peace knowing that I'm gonna take care of you. And I'm flawed. And I'm selfish. I wonder if God's in heaven saying, well, what are you worried about? What, what's the problem? I'm just afraid you ain't gonna do what you said you're gonna do. I'm afraid you're not gonna take care of me or my babies. And he goes, I don't want you to live a day like that. You know what the kingdom of God is? When your eyes see, you're at peace with God and you're at peace with this world. You're at peace with yourself. You're not worried, anxious for not, nothing, nothing. Not Didn't say we're not troubled, just not anxious. I'm good. I'm standing right and I'm feeling right. And finally, Joy in the Holy Ghost. Well, let me just say this real quick. I'm sorry. The peace of God was announced at Jesus' birth. Suddenly there appeared in the heavens an angelic host that says, Glory to God on the highest and on earth. Peace, goodwill toward men. It confirmed the teaching of his word. These things have I spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. It was his departing gift when he left the earth. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. It was his resurrection greeting. He suddenly appeared in the midst of his disciples and he said, peace. And it's the signature of his presence. He's the prince of peace. How sad would it be to have all this knowledge and no experience? The kingdom of God is within you. You ought to be in right standing with God and have peace. Peace with God and the peace of God. If not, your branches come disconnected from the the vine. You need to graft that back in. And finally, joy in the Holy Ghost. Joy in the Holy Ghost. I know we went old school this morning a little bit on a couple of our hymns and all those white-headed people were like, I remember that, I like that, that's good, that's good. Why are we not joyful anymore? I'm aware of it when we are. Because we're trying to find our pleasures in a world that's dying. Joy in the Holy Spirit. In His presence, there is fullness of joy. It's different from happiness. Happiness is based on how I view my life, joy is found in how I view God. The joy of the Lord is your strength. The Lord is its author. He's the author of your joy. He's the subject of your joy. He's the supply of your joy. He's the transport of your joy. And soon he'll be the culmination of your joy. Stand with me this morning, if you will. Everywhere you live for God, everywhere you speak of God, everywhere you stand for God, and everywhere you worship God, that's the kingdom. Everywhere you love and love others and consider them more important than yourself, that's the kingdom. Everywhere you serve joyfully, forgive freely, and and give generously, that's the kingdom of God. It is found in what you think about, what you say, what you do, and how you feel. You carry the kingdom of God with you. you. 
this is important. If you don't get this, it's just going to be a discourse, a teaching. You carry it with you. And God's kingdom is either expanding or shrinking because of you. Now, his sovereign rule is not shrinking. Where you work, his presence, presence, his power, his invitations, his glory, his joy, his peace ought to be pulsing in that place. And others, when they feel that current go over their feet, they go, I I feel something when I'm around you. Could we say reverently that the kingdom of God has come nigh to them? Because Christ is in you. If Christ is in you, shouldn't they sense him? This kingdom, its reality, its freedoms, its power, its joys is made available to others as those who are ambassadors of God swing wide the gates of this kingdom by sharing his word and his life with them. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. And that kingdom is within you. Pastor Wade, would you come and pray over us this morning? you guys invite you back if you um are new here we are having our connection lunch upstairs in the grill you're invited um hopefully you've had a personal invitation to that already and tonight at six o'clock in the grill for the continuing for the faith